all my nieces and nephews, and welcome to Auntie JoJo's Library. My library is open to all listeners, but it was specifically created for my seven wonderful nieces and nephews. This is a special bonus episode. Well, not really a bonus episode, but it's the second episode that I'm releasing this week, which is different because in July, we're only supposed to release one episode every Wednesday. But last week, I forgot to release an episode, so that put us back some chapters in the book we were reading, and you really don't care. Just of the story is... Ha, the story, the Calico Illustrated Classics Little Women. So this episode, I'll stop rambling eventually, we will be finishing the story we've been reading, which again, is the Calico Illustrated Classics Little Women. So I'll stop rambling and I'll start reading. Let's get started. Chapter 17, The Valley of Shadows. When the first pain of knowing Beth's illness was over, the family accepted what would come and tried to help one another. They put away their grief and did what they could to make the last year a happy one. Beth had the nicest room in the house. There was everything she loved in there, flowers, pictures, her piano, and her cats. Father did did the best to bring her books. Mother gave her her chair, and Joe gave her her desk. Amy had her finest drawings that she gave and made especially for Beth. Every day, Meg brought her babies to bring joy to Auntie Beth. John set aside some money to give Beth the fruit she loved. Hannah made special foods to help Beth's appetite. Nothing changed Beth's sweet and unselfish personality, even as she prepared to leave life. She tried to make it much happier for the ones that would stay behind. The first few months were very happy. Everyone was always sitting in her room. It was peaceful, a very peaceful time. Soon, Beth said that the needles she sewed with were too heavy and she had to put them down. Talking tired her and her faces upset her. She was filled with pain. There came long nights and heavy days. Everyone's heart ached as they prayed. Those who loved her most were forced to see her her thin hands stretched out to cry out, Help! Help me! As her body completely weakened, Beth's soul grew strong. Though she said little to everyone, they knew she was ready. Joe never left after Beth said, I feel stronger when you're here. She slept on the couch in the room and woke up often to feed or to wait on her sister. Many times when she woke up, Joe would see Beth reading the Pilgrim Progress book of or hear her softly singing. Sometimes she had seen her face, she had seen her with her face in her hands, tears dropping through her thin fingers. One night, Beth found a little piece of paper written by Joe. She decided to read it while Joe was asleep. It was a beautiful poem written about Jeff, Joe. Oh my goodness, it was a beautiful poem written about Beth. Joe wrote of all the things that Beth was in life, the sweet, kind, and patient person. Joe asked that Beth would leave these things to her and help Joe become a better person. It meant so much to Beth to know that her simple life had not been useless. I'm not afraid of death anymore, Beth said. You must take my place, Joe, and be everything to mother and father. Remember that love is the only thing that we carry with us when we go. It makes the end so easy. I'll try, Joe said. She promised herself a new and better life. The spring days came and went. The flowers bloomed and the birds came back in time to say goodbye to Beth. She clung to the hands that led her all her life as her father and mother guided her through the valley of the shadow and gave her up to God. 
as Beth had hoped, the tide went out easily. In the dark hour before the morning, she quietly drew her last breath. Mother and her sisters cried as they saw the beautiful peace on Beth's face that, was re that replaced all the pain. When morning came, the fire was out and Joe's place was empty. The room was still, but a bird sang on a nearby branch. Sunshine came in the window onto the peaceful face of the pillow. Her face was so full of painless peace that they all smiled through their tears and thanked God that Beth was finally well. Chapter 18, Lori and Amy. The speech that Amy had given Lori in nice did him good, but he would not admit it for a long time afterwards. Whenever he felt joy or sadness, he put it into a song. The next time his grandfather found Lori getting tired of being quiet, he ordered him to go somewhere. Lori went to Vienna to visit musical friends, but soon he found that the kind of music he tried was too hard. For a while, he tried to write operas. Finally, he tore up his sheet music. He decided Amy was right, and he could not be what he wasn't. Now, what shall I do? He thought the job of forgetting his love for Joe would take up all of his energy for years, but he was surprised to find it became easier each day. He tried to make himself feel the same love, but soon found that his boyish love was going away. He, but he could not give up trying. He grabbed a pen and paper and he wrote to Joe. He told her he could not do anything else until he knew there was no hope of changing her mind. She wrote back that she couldn't love him that way and was too busy taking care of Beth. She begged him to be happy with someone else. She also asked him not to tell Amy that Beth was worse. He decided to write Amy. She wrote back how homesick she was. Soon their letters were back and forth. She went back to Paris. He went back to Paris hoping he would ask, hoping Amy would ask him to come to Nice. But Amy was having her own life that she did not wish Lori to see. Fred Vaughn had returned and asked her to marry him. She changed her answer from yes to no thank you. She decided she needed more than money and fame. Lori's face kept returning to her thoughts. Amy told Lori in her next letter that Fred had gone to Egypt. Lori was glad to hear it, but felt sorry for Fred. He knew what it was like to be down there. Sadly, the letter telling Amy that Beth was dying never reached her. When the next letter arrived, Beth was already buried. Her family had said that she, would, that she should not shorten her visit since it was too late to say goodbye to Beth. They hoped her absence would make her sadness easier, but she wanted to be home every day and waited for Lori to come and comfort her. The moment Lori read his own letter from home about Beth, he packed up and went to Amy. He found her out in the garden, leaning her head in her hand. She was homesick and thinking of Beth. Lori watched her a moment, seeing her with new eyes. When she saw him, she ran to him. Oh, Lori, I knew you'd come to me. They knew then what was important. Amy felt no one could comfort her as well as Lori. He decided Amy was the only woman in the world who would fill Joe's place and make him happy. They talked of their loss. In spite of their sorrow, it was a very happy time. Lori did not rush telling Amy he loved her. They both knew it, and, the, and in the garden, they decided they would become engaged. Chapter 19, Surprises. After Beth died, Joe found it hard to do anything she liked anymore. At night, she would wake and sometimes cry, Oh, Beth, come back. 
She soon found that comfort came through her parents. She begged her father to talk with her as he had to Beth. They had many good times together, sitting in Beth's chair, talking about the things that upset Joe. After and later, talking with Meg, Joe discovered that Meg had grown in her life as a wife and a mother. Joe wondered if marriage could help her to grow someday. She enjoyed her talks with her mother, who encouraged her to write again, but Joe did not have the heart to write. If I did, nobody cares for my writings, she said. Write something for us and never mind the rest of the world, her mother said. Joe pulled out her old stories and began working on them. An hour later, her mother looked in and saw Joe writing away. She left with a smile. With love and sorrow in her life, Joe worked hard and sent her stories away. They were welcomed and soon were published. When Amy and Lori wrote about being engaged, Joe was a little sad at first, but she quickly talked about the hopes and the plans she had for them. Joe was glad Amy learned to love him, but admitted she was lonely. Amy's happiness woke feelings in her own heart to have what her sisters did. Joe later found some books from her time at Miss Kirk's. There were messages from the professor in one of them that took a new meaning. Wait for me, my friend. I will be a little late, but I shall truly come. If only he would, Joe thought. She missed him and put her head down to cry as the rain fell outside. Joe lay on the old sofa thinking about her birthday the next day. She was almost 25 and she felt she had nothing to show for it. I'm an old maid, she said. <laughs> An old maid at 25. Wow. <clears throat> okay. I'm an old maid, she said. I have a pen for a husband and stories as my children. Joe must have fallen asleep, for she suddenly thought she saw Lori's ghost standing in front of her. She stared at him in surprise when he bent down to kiss her. My teddy, she shouted. You are glad to see me, dear Joe. I can't tell you how happy I am. Where's Amy? Joe asked. We stopped at Meg's and your mother and sister won't let my wife go, Lori said. Joe cried, you're what? Lori said, oh dear, I've done it now, Joe shouted. You've gotten married? Tell me what happened. We planned to come home a month or two ago, he began. Grandpa wanted to come home and I couldn't let him go alone, but I couldn't leave Amy either. So I said, let's get married. We talked it over with your aunt and there wasn't time to write to ask to do anything then. When, where, how, Joe asked. Lori said, six weeks ago in Paris. It was very quiet. It was a very quiet wedding. Even in our happiness, we couldn't forget dear little Beth. We wanted to surprise you, but my grandfather wasn't ready to leave for a month and sent us off on our honeymoon trip. He told her, I shall never stop loving you, but the love has changed and I have learned to see it in, be in a better way. Amy and you have changed places in my heart. I believe it was meant to be this way. Can we go back to the happy times when we first knew one another? We will be brother and sister all our lives, Joe said. Lori said he was sorry she was there She was there to bear all the sorrow of Beth's death. She said that mother and father had to help her, but she was lonely at times. You won't be lonely again, he said. We need you to help us learn how to keep house and let us love you. Then he stood with a happy look on his face as Amy's voice called, Where is she? Where's my dear Joe? The whole family came in and hugged and kissed one another, yet Joe felt lonely. Suddenly, there came a knock at the porch door. Joe opened the door and stepped back as if a ghost had come to surprise her. A tall, bearded gentleman smiled. Oh, Professor Bear, I'm so glad to see you, she cried. He told her he was happy to see her, but at the sound of his voice and dancing feet, he said, Oh, oh, oh. Okay, let's try that again. 
He told her he was happy to see her, but at the sound of the voices and dancing feet, he said, oh, you have a party. Joe invited him in. It's only my family. My sister and others have come home. He told her she looked as if she had been sick. Not ill, but tired and sad. We have had trouble since I last saw you, she said. He shook her hand and said, My heart was sore for you when I heard about your sister. Joe introduced him to her parents. Her face and voice was full of pride and happiness. They all gave him a friendly welcome. Joe noticed how nice he looked and couldn't help being happy to see him. Lori thought him the most wonderful old fella she had ever met. He had ever met. When Professor Bear said goodbye to Miss March, he promised to come again since he had business left to do. Joe wondered what his business might be. If she had seen his face when he looked at her picture, she might have understood, especially when he turned off the light and kissed the picture in the dark. What? Kissed her picture in the dark, Professor Bear? Mm-mm. <sighs> Chapter 20, Under the Umbrella. Joe often met Professor Bear on her long walks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Both pretended it was an accident that they happened to meet. She made sure that there was coffee for supper when he visited because he didn't like tea. By the second week, everyone knew what was going on and tried to pretend they didn't. They didn't ask why Joe sang when she worked or did her hair up three times a day. When she got ready to go for her usual walk, Miss March mentioned several things Joe could get her in town. And she added, if you happen to see Professor Bear, invite him home for tea. Joe kissed her mother and thought about how good Marmy was to her. As she walked, it began to rain. It serves me right, Joe said. Why did I put all my best clothes on to come down here, hoping to see the professor? She hurried through the streets with all the rain around her ankles. Then she noticed an umbrella over her head, and she looked to see, y'all, guess who she saw? Guess who was the nicest gentleman and put an umbrella over her head when she was wearing her nicest clothes, walking out to town with it raining? Mm-hmm. Professor. Yep. She looked up to see the professor. I'm shopping, she told him. Professor Bear smiled. May I go also and take for you the packages? Yes, thank you, Joe said. As they walked, she said, we thought you had gone. I wouldn't leave without saying goodbye to those who have been so kind to me, he said. He asked if she missed him. I'm always glad to see you, sir, she said. He promised to come see her family one more time before he left. You are going then, she asked. She nodded and explained, he nodded and explained he had finished his business and found a job teaching at a college that was not nearby. He helped her shop and she liked him more every moment they talked. Shall we go home? He asked. She said she was tired, but her voice was sad. Her head ached and her heart felt so cold. Professor Bear was going away. He only cared for her as a friend. She decided sooner it was, it was over the better. She decided the sooner it was over, the better. She turned away, blinking hard to hide the tears. When he saw them, he said, Hearts, dearest, why do you cry? Because you're going away, she said. That is so good, cried Professor Bear. Joe, I have nothing but so much love to give you. I wanted to be sure I was more than a friend. Am I? Can you make a little space in your heart for old Fritz? Oh, yes, Joe said. Because of the rain and the fact that both their hands were full of packages, he could not propose on his knees or offer Joe his hand. The only way he could express his happiness was to look at her and smile. 
Why didn't you tell me all this sooner? She shyly asked. I wanted to tell you when we said goodbye in New York, but I thought your friend was the one you loved, so I did not speak. Joe said, Teddy was only a boy and soon got over his love for me. Good, the professor said. I have waited a long I have waited long and am selfish with my love for you. He showed her a piece of worn paper from his pocket. She saw that it was one of the poems she had written and published in the newspaper. It was about Joe and each of her sisters. He said that the verse about her, where she mentioned being sad and lonely, showed him she would find comfort in true love. He explained that he only kept his promise to go and teach. He asked if she could wait for him. She said that she could, knowing they loved one another. They came to her house, and she led him inside to the warmth of her family. Welcome home, Joe said. Chapter 21, Harvest Time For a year, Joe and her professor worked and waited. They met together at times and wrote long letters. The second year, they still did not have much money. Then Aunt March died suddenly. The family loved her in spite of her sharp tongue. But all were surprised to find she left a large home and land to Joe. You can sell it for a good deal of money, Lori said. Joe shook her head. I won't. Everyone was surprised. It was such a large house to take care of, especially with the garden and the orchard. But Joe explained that she wanted to open a school for boys. It will be a happy home-like school with me to take care of them and Fritz to teach them, she said. Her parents liked the idea. Mr. Lawrence agreed. It's a wonderful idea. Tell us about it. Joe told them that she had always wanted to take care of poor, lonely boys with no mothers. When she told Fritz about it, he said it was just what he would like to do. It's the perfect place for boys. The house is big and the furniture is strong. They could help in the garden and orchard, Joe said. But how will you pay for everything? Lori asked. If the boys have no family, you will not make money. Joe said, don't be silly. I will have some rich boys come first. Then I'll take in some poor boys. Rich people's children sometimes need special care, too. The year things happened, that year things happened quickly. Before she knew it, Joe was married, and they moved into Plumfield, her aunt's home. Then came six or seven boys, some poor as well as rich. It was hard work, but Joe was happy. As the years went by, she had three boys of her own. It was a full house of boys. Each of the March girls were happy with their own lives. At the harvest celebration, Miss March told Joe, I think your harvest will be a good one. Not as good as yours, Joe said. We can never thank you enough for your patient sowing and re reaping of us. Miss March held out her arms and gathered her children and grandchildren. My girls, however long you live, I can never wish you greater happiness than this. Thank you so much for joining me in my library as we finish the Calico Illustrated Classics Little Women. This is our final episode for the month of July. I'm not quite sure what we'll be doing yet in August, but it's going to be something fun. If you have story suggestions, please email them to me at auntiejojoslibrary at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram, auntiejojoslibrary. You can also leave me a quick voicemail message using the message plus button on whatever app you're using to hear this podcast. As always, I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.